0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hang On To Your Hat. And I've got Dan actually in the studio. I'm here. I'm back.
1: Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy.
0: These days,
1: fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not the blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and... Well, the love, of course. <laughs> oh. Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. <laughs> oh, it's delightful to be back, Derek, in this marvellous city of ours. We should
0: have got Sammy to do this live. <laughs> we could. He's sitting right next to me. Yeah. Allude anyway, to the iPad. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. We'll get to that. It's educational. Hey, welcome back to Melbourne. Thanks. Um, um, it's good to have you back. Uh, mm. We've got uh, still a few more uh, in the Broom, got two more in the Broom series. Yep, we've got me mate Mark Jones
1: and we've got um, uh, Greg Quick, the yeah. uh, bush astronomer.
0: And I, y- you won't believe today's one, it's 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 amazing. Mm. I was like glued to my editing suite, mm. uh, loving it. Yeah, absolutely loving it.
1: It's quite long, so it's bear with it, folks. Stick but it's it. a, it's quite an epic stuff. conversation. Jonesy's, um, as I talk about in the thing, he was heavily involved with Malcolm Douglas and documentary making, and he's now, you know, involved with a lot of indigenous uh, communities up there, and he gets right out in the Kimberley a lot. Um, and he, whenever I run meet with him, we just talk like that. It's just flat out. He went. He actually went into the Peruvian jungle, which we didn't talk about in this. But one of the one of his major influences in the last few years was going into the Peruvian jungle with. Um, Xavier Rudd actually was the reason he went there to document him, but hang on, what's
0: Xavier Rudd doing in the Peruvian jungle? Ah, uh, well, that's a whole other story.
1: Okay. Oh, was, well, we'll it, was, episode, it was it huh? was there for he was <laughs> doing some kind of thing anyway. And okay. and and but they were they got in. Well, Jonesy wanted to do the ayahuasca with the with the um, the what you know the 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 shaman right the proper shaman I don't in, know the, what in no the jungle an ayahuasca is Ayahuasca's a is a plant that that gives you psychedelic uh, oh. trips for for days you know it's a to deep look inward at your soul basically the
0: peruvian peyote kind of yeah vibe.
1: that sort of thing and 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 he went into the deep deep jungle with with um uh, indigenous shaman and did a month Jeez. of vomiting and drinking ayahuasca under the trees in the jungle in the, uh, and it sort of did all sorts of extraordinary uh, things for him about life and death and fear reduction. It changed his life. Um, so, uh, That and that was the other thing. That's what you didn't get. Well, in the thing, well, in (laughs) well, because that's too
0: big. That's massive. Um, But he did
1: mention in the in the podcast, he mentions his encounter with the great white shark, and that was the that was these were the two things in his life that really changed, apart from his kids, but but on a really personal level, changed his attitude toward fear and. And life, and and what's important, yeah. and and one was the shark thing, and he just hinted it. I just, I think in the podcast I said there was the Peruvian thing, the Peru thing, because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew we couldn't really get into that now. It's just yeah. too massive. Like, I'm, it's it's a long time
0: to be doing ritual ceremony. Such professional chit chat as you are, that you mm. even know when something can't be touched. I oh, know it's massive. I've, I've, I mean, it right out.
1: We've done these three four hour drives in the Kimberley, in the just in the in the red earth, in the Pindan and he's talked to me about gilgamesh or about uh his experience in peru and it's it's epic yeah. um and extraordinary and, and he thinks and he's like you've got to do this sometime and i just it as 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 revolutionizing and as um extraordinary as it sounds it it terrifies me as well and he didn't do it in any kind of la backyard sort of populist way i mean he did it the like he he, he found the shaman he he went in with a tiny group of people. It was very, very um, traditional. Let's say it sounds. And it sounds bright. Fr- <laughs> it sounds, sounds terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> I'm having massive
0: flashbacks oh, already. No,
1: like and, and just full on. But but he's a he's an adventurer. That's why I said he's a, a spiritual adventurer. Yeah. But he's a he's a lovely guy. Beautiful guy. Oh, very. Well, we genuine. should let him we'll, talk. We'll let him talk. Yeah. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy that. And get, next week we'll get uh, quickie up. Yeah.
0: Get into it, guys. Enjoy.
1: Oh. G'day, folks. This is Hang on to Your Hat. This is another Kimberley, Kimberley chat I'm having, and I'm very excited because I've got Mark Jones here, good mate of mine for all of six years, seven years. It seems like so much longer. It's like 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 it does with everyone I I know up here because we've covered so much ground, literally, and also uh, with our um, conversation. Yeah. You
2: know? I can't remember a conversation um, that we've had where we've talked about specials at Bunnings.
1: No, that's right.
2: (laughs) It's been about Gilgamesh in the mangroves. And it's been a, yeah, we've, we, we go straight into deep conversations. And, um, yeah, that's been going now for a long time.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, that's a, it's such a strange thing that to, I was saying on one of the other podcasts, just stepping off the plane and the first conversation I have with someone is, something like that and i'm like wow you really don't get any time for kind of how you been what's what's been going on is is you doing any work it's no it's like
2: let's get stuck in the listen
1: in in the in 2060 bc there was a (laughs) an ancient story we're a
2: curious crew up here
1: i'm just unplugging these
0: for now yeah no worries
1: um yeah so uh it's great like that. You mentioned the Gilgamesh thing because that's it's a pretty um I've got a strong memory of that. We're we're crabbing just to paint a picture for the people at home. We're in in it's Napier Dampier Creek.
2: Uh we were in Crab Creek.
1: Were we? Crab Creek. With Will. With Will. Yeah. So Will who people have heard before on here yeah. and he just takes off into the mud looking for crabs. So the, the mud's sometimes up to your waist. So there's possibly crocodiles. There's fucking sandflies. And I, I remember I'd be covering my whole body in mud to try because um, fly spray, you know, fly repellent doesn't work for, for those. It's and,
2: an exercise in futility. <laughs> in
1: futility. So covering <laughs> ourselves in mud, and uh, and and Jonesy and I hadn't spoken for a while, and yeah. and we got onto the nature of storytelling and and religion and 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 uh, you know cultures going way back, and you start talking about. The story of Gilgamesh, the mm. first epic kind of story mm. ever told. And mm. so you're you're telling me this story as we're walking through the mangroves at low tide. And every now and then I just hear Will shouting, <laughs> Come on, you fucking idiots! What are you jabbering about? There's crabs there's, to be caught. <laughs> there's crabs to be got here. <laughs> so we're kind of very half heartedly trying to get mud crabs. And I think we just didn't bother in the end. So we were traipsing. There was something lovely about hearing the Gilgamesh story while traipsing through incredibly difficult mud because somehow that's that's what it is to be human and to understand where you are. And I'm being very, you know, poetic about it, well, but that you know dragging what, you your you know ass Hugh, through that mud. You know
2: what hue man means? You know what hue means? Yes, humus. Humus of the earth, of, of the, the ground, oh, of the was, mud, of the ochre, yeah, of the clay. Yep. That was
1: appropriate then. Yeah. That was really appropriate. We're talking about the origins of sort of. Human storytelling, and human storytelling is, is what it is to be human, you can mm. really argue, couldn't you? Like We, we are story. The
2: Gilgamesh yeah. uh, story, which I am addicted to, I actually am talking to the, the, the guy. If you go and buy the Epic of Gilgamesh off the Penguin Bookstore at any bookstore yeah. around the world, yeah, it's always translated by this one academic. He's the guru. He's been doing it since 1962. He's been going in and getting the cuneiform tablets from Samaria and deciphering them. Yeah. And I approached him about three years ago and I had lots of questions and he said, These are curious questions. Why are you why are you um you know, why are you asking me these questions? I said, Well I live with I'm the in oldest mud in Wow, and I live amongst the oldest culture on the planet. Uh, yeah. And we have even deeper stories here, so I'm interested in mm. the digression of human stories through time. And Gilgamesh is a classic example because it was began to be um tapped into the cuneiform tablets fifty, five hundred years ago. And it mm. was it's been Retranslated over 3000 years and the beginning of that story and where it got to is huge. And so I was very interested in why these stories changed so much over 3000 years. And of course, you mm. always came back to the person who was tapping the writing in or who was paying for the scribe who was tapping the money in. And they were literally changing history. They were changing mm. bits and pieces. And here we have this oral story, amazing mm. stories that go back a very long time. And some of those words, wanaleeri Namorali, those mm. words have not changed over tens of thousands of years. Right. They mean the same thing. Whereas in our language, words are changing all the time. The Liberal Party in Australia is very different to being liberal in America. Yeah, a yes. sycophant used to be the picker of figs from the sycamore tree. Now it's completely the opposite. So we've right, changed right. words and language to suit you know, whoever's controlling the place everything else. So I'm really interested in, you know, as a storyteller uh, in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: you're talking about time on a whole other level here.
2: Well, written word is 5,500 years ago. uh, Sorry, 5,500 years ago, 5,500 years ago. Here we've got stories that it appears goes back 40, maybe 50, maybe 60,000 years and gives us not just an insight into what humanity was thinking about a very long time ago here, but what humanity was also doing in the rest of the world because on the rock faces in Africa, in, in, the, in the temples of Angkor Wat, in the, in the pyramids of Chichen Itza and everywhere else, there's, there's serpents all the way through, which are what are painted mm. on the walls here. So that serpent spirituality was enjoyed all around the planet and then it kind of stopped and it was demonized. Yeah. Religion was born, it becomes the devil and you know all these sorts of things. It's it's changing, changing it, it changes and radically and all, our mm. stories have been changing radically over a long time and we're hanging on to this ever-changing story which in our story only starts 5,500 years ago with the demonization of a couple in a, in a garden that was called Eden under a tree with an apple and a snake. That's what the premise of all of our civilization mm. is born from.
1: So the written word started around the time that that ch- t- changing of the story away from the kind of feminine probably and the,
2: not and the earth no probably no. not probably starts the changing starts earlier and and the written word is a consequence of it as i the needed other to systems. get it out there. yeah well i mean the written word Whilst we put all of our faith in logos and the written word yeah the written word is always changing so maybe our faith in the written word might be a little bit misled when you consider the oral history was always reconciled next to a lateral hierarchy in an Aboriginal tribe. No chief said Wanillairey means that anymore. Right. It was always reconciled, and that's why the meaning of that word was able to live for. Wanaliri
1: could be twenty thousand year old word. So,
2: so could be older.
1: So, so it's possible that the the handing down of the story for possibly sixty thousand years in this part of the world, um, may have been less corrupted by, in, you know, politics and intention and desire because of these very things. Australia was an
2: you know? uh, an ark. It was yeah. a treasure chest which held the original spirituality that all humans enjoyed and it also held the language that was attached to that spirituality. And
1: See, this is why you're so so hooked into this, isn't it? And Now, like I've been getting a picture of this over the years as you've been talking to me about it and seeing the importance. If, if we're going to one day be able to get back to some kind of reasonable, uh, you know, um, sustainable connection with the planet and with ourselves, then we, the, the places that have those sorts of stories and that sort of relationship are going to be what we're going to be looking to. And And if this is one of the last places then i see your urgency yeah or, or yeah part yeah.
2: of the urgency to protect it absolutely i mean history the the, the thing that we define ourselves by uh, is 5500 years old might be a bit older but 5500 yeah. 5, years is a, is a pivotal date
1: and it's mainly a political
2: before that was prehistory prehistory and right. it was uh there was definitely a very feminine law wrapped around it her story mm. becomes heresy and hearsay and all of those oh, yes. things
1: Oh,
3: ah yeah,
2: um, yeah. The adulation of the feminine in m- all of the indigenous cultures is, um, you know, it's well recorded from statues in the Levant to paintings yeah. in the Kimberley and everywhere in between, and even in the language. Yeah. The word "sh," um, the two two very old symbols that were bashed together into a word "sh," and that turns into she and shoe and Asher and a bunch of other things. That word is prevalent. All around the planet, old, old, old word. Mm. There's, there's a bunch of old words that are, that were used all over the world and they yeah. were, they, they were in place. And then, of course, then colonialism comes in and changes the language and it all kind of gets lost. But luckily, there's some really good work being done by academics, which I'm really, I'm really fortunate to hang out with. Yeah. And, um, I hang out with linguists and archaeologists and geochronologists and astrophysicists, these amazing brains. And, um, yeah, I, I get to, Learn and debate and test hypotheses, and then go out and make the odd film and write the odd chapter and yeah. bug, bugger around.
1: See, man, this is <laughs> this is a, the extraordinary thing. I'm, I'm I'm really painting this picture of broom having some magical effect on people, and and you can you like when I met you, you were running Malcolm's Crocodile Park, correct? And I and you and Will wor- worked there, and a bunch of people have worked there over the years, and you worked with Malcolm on those. Movies he made. Yep. And that did you, were you filming? I
2: were made you... 17 films with Malcolm over a 19 year period. I was the cameraman for all of those. Right. Um, and I always wanted to learn how to edit with Malcolm because he was, you know, one of the premier Australian adventure filmmakers. And he always said no. And it wasn't until he died and I ran the businesses and I looked on his computer that I understood why. To look into his old Macintosh was like looking into, what's that film um, with John Malkovich being John Malkovich? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It We're was like his a brain. portal into <laughs> his brain. Yeah. There was shit everywhere. Yeah. And and he had no idea how to file. Right. So I was super glad. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I shot 17 films with him, but I learned to edit with a fishing show that I've made also during that time and everything yeah. else. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and see, so that's a funny because I've I've m- mentioned a few times how my relationship with Broom started with Malcolm Douglas being yeah. in my teens, seeing those movies, yeah. and him saying, "I'm going back to Broom," yeah. and he drove off into the sunset. Now, you <laughs> possibly <laughs> filmed it, filmed yeah. and delivered the mythology of Broom to me via your camera. Well, I know I did with my wife. I know she. And it was on World Around Us on Sunday after, eve,
2: afternoons. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It right? might have been, although there's not a huge age difference between us. It might, no, I did start early.
1: Maybe I was a bit older. I'm trying to make it, let's squeeze it so that yeah. I
2: was... Never let the truth be. <laughs> a good story. <laughs> right. But my wife actually yeah. had seen, uh, when I first met Meg, um, she very quickly found out what I did and, you know, I was young and buff then and... um <laughs> And she mentioned a film, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, I shot that." And I reckon that may have been the clincher. But um, yeah, that's happened a few times. Where I mean, they're 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 amazing historical Australian films. I'm very proud mm. of them. Yeah, I can't watch them. No, sure, that's it's a- it is the most rudimentary um, techniques ever used for documentary mm-hmm. filmmaking, making. But hey, it worked. He was mm. he was. He was the biggest show in town. Six PM on a Sunday night on mm. national television. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah and, and man, I, and that's and that started that that sense for me. So yeah. you go from like working with him and then working with you know crocodiles and wildlife and 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 then and so now you're you know the on the email list for the guy who's <laughs> translating the tablets of Gilgamesh in uh, and talk. so I suppose that put you out into the country, right? I, a- fell, in love with, you I fell in love people. with
2: two things.
1: Oh, I mean, you knew Aboriginal people from where you grew up in Pilbara. Yeah, Pilgrim, right? yeah,
2: but that was very different. I was a kid growing right. up in the Pilbara and then I went back to suburbia and then I but the the experience of living in um Robin mm. it it had got into not just my blood, it had got into my family's blood. Mm. And uh, we didn't know that at the time and I went back to Robin when I was Ten or something, and uh, and then came back to Broome when I was twenty two after I finished university, and it was then, yeah, I jumped pretty much straight into working with crocodiles for mm. him. Uh, I had I had never picked up a camera before. Mm. I, I'm ashamed to say. You know, all of these people have these beautiful backstories about you know picking up their first box brownie when they were six. Mm. Cue the old sentimental music. Yeah, mine wasn't like that. I just wanted to be like. Uh, his cameraman that was coming in for the week, uh, sorry, the year before um, I got my first gig. His name was um, Mitchell Kelly, and he very handsome guy. He had all the car key on, and he was going on these amazing adventures, telling these amazing yarns. And he'd come yeah. back, and he was like lauded. Yeah, yeah. And I said to myself, "That's what I want to do." Yeah. Right. But little did I know that <laughs> working a hundred thousand dollar video cam camera is a little bit more technical than that. So. Malcolm thrust that camera on my shoulder and a red heeler. And we went off on this battle axe of a boat for six weeks along the Kimberley coast. Yeah. In October and November. Jesus. Brutal. We That's saw odd. one boat on the Kimberley coast in six weeks, <laughs> and that was Craighausen on the True North One. And you tend to starve a fair bit on a Malcolm shoot. I was four weeks in, I was as skinny as a racehorse.
1: It sounds like he it's just tortured people. No, almost. no,
2: no. No, do not get me wrong. It, yeah. It was the healthiest, most invigorating time of my life. Oh yeah. Right. You were collecting water from springs, you were catching your right, food. Right. But when a when a luxury boat goes past and they've got a tucker box full of ice cream and they're cooking <laughs> green chicken curries and pomadames, I yeah. must have eaten about four kilos of food that night and fell asleep on top of aforementioned tucker box. I was yeah. so full. Yeah. But no, um, very fond memories. We made a three one hour part film called A Kimberley Adventure. I learned. Oh, yeah. I fell in love with the camera. I got an amazing. Still one of my proudest shots. I shot Malcolm. Um, he speared a big trevally in bugger all water on yeah. the Montgomery Reef. It was amazing, and I actually managed to shoot it on this big rig. Yeah, in focus, the exposure wasn't too bad, and uh, I got the shot. And. I got back and he said that's a good shot which you know I was stoked with and um, yeah I fell in love with the camera I fell in love with Kimberley I, I, I went to art sites with Albert Wiggins father Tommy Wiggins yeah, yeah. we showed a whole heap of stuff with um, old, the old fellas and they started telling me the stories right. and it was, I didn't really know what I was listening to as a young man then and now at the tender age of 50 I now understand the enormity of mm. the stuff that I was given and I'm so stoked that I've recorded as much as I have myself and, and created a, a, an archive and a library of
1: that so stuff. So amazing that your kind of <coughs> experience with the stories from this country led you back mm. to your own European stories and, and, and how our kind of short history came about. Now, it seems like there's been all these moments of things clicking together. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, just, and I have no business being here. I was
2: born in England. I was born on the grounds mm-hmm. of Oxford University. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's my spirit home. If you ask the Aboriginal people, they'll say, where were you born? And I will say, the grounds of Oxford
1: University. They'll say, well, that's your spirit home. That's all these academics you're hanging out with now. Right? <laughs> Maybe.
2: But what is interesting is somehow I ended up here and this country and this story and this deep culture resonates with me, well, it only resonates with me, Western society and and. The illusion that was created fifty five hundred years ago, and the Mm. illusion that we live in now, um, I can see it for what it is. Whereas the deep Aboriginal culture, you know, and its its relationship to nature and and you know reverence of not just the planet that we live on, but the galaxy that we live in, and the you know Mm. and the knowledge that they had, which you know to history to us is folklore. It's it's been relegated, it's been diminished into something that's almost theatrical, when in actual yeah. fact, if you can actually decipher the language uh, and the art, there's profound messages in there.
1: Yeah, profound messages and practical stuff. I mean, like like the... the, they, the, li- the... they
2: lived through an ice age where the ocean was 150 metres deeper than where it is now. Right. We're talking about climate change the rise of, six meters in water yeah they went through yeah. 150 meters and then they and then when the water came back in it came back in in three what they call deluges where 50 meters of water came in almost instantly so the stories yeah. of atlantis and all those lost civilizations are just stories of the water when it came back in after the last ice age and just inundated right. civilizations that were living yeah. on deltas and you know like the continent of sunda Southeast Asia, was one continent that went right around to New Guinea. Mm. That was covered in water, leaving Micronesia, Melanesia and these islands. Yeah. And that's not long ago. Yeah. it's not long ago in human history. Yeah. Sorry, mate, we digress.
1: Yeah. (laughs) 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 I keep... uh, So I I think I was going to say, yeah, like you and I had some... I, I was having a lot of trouble with your... Your view on things My for a philosophy. while there. Well, well, I wasn't in a way, but I was in another way because yeah. I was, I was, I've been grappling with, especially since I've had kids. Yeah. See, we got there.
2: Got yeah, there. Got yeah, there. yeah. I was looking for the segue. <laughs> um,
1: since I had kids too, I've been so concerned about the future and about the environment and about all that sort of stuff. There's a whole other inve- investment in it now because of your kids. And um, so I think I was desperate to find some kind of Way forward that's based on the way we're already going, like like, like to try and I've been trying to create a, a future mythology around technology and f- um, you know transhumanism and all that stuff, which I still find fascinating, and it still may be the way we go. But then gradually coming, talking to you and and like the mud crab conversation and and a big talk on the way back from fi- from Winjana the other week, and it just seems to me that. Well, and it kind of makes me even sadder in a way because the the, the answers are, are here to but, to to how to how to respond properly to the earth and how to be to, to, to there's a, there's a future that's totally available and possible we've got a huge thing we've built that we can't just dismantle it's going to be I mean it's hard to there's some kind of apocalypse we won't,
2: we won't dismantle it it'll no. it'll, 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 collapse. it'll it'll collapse anything that's been created by humans collapses it, well, this is the thing, eventually this, if, it if does. It, eventually it does, whereas um, nature, the natural systems, they don't collapse. We're, we're taught you know, in our education system that the sun has a finite life and earth has a finite We don't know that. We have no idea. We think that a, the sun is a, 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 a structure that is constantly powering itself and then it's only got finite fuel and it'll die. Hmm. Indigenous people don't believe that. Indigenous yeah. people believe that in the center of the galaxy, and science is just starting to find this, that in the center of the galaxy there is immense forces that are tearing all matter up around what we call a black hole. Mm. The indigenous people call it other things. Mm-hmm. And the light that's thrown from, and the sound and everything in between that's thrown out from that, whatever that edge of that, um, uh, the black hole is, it does have a name. mm mm-hmm. uh, it then throws all of that energy, that light and sound back out into a galaxy that's defined by the size of the black hole. So light is being fed from the middle back out to stars and everything else. So they mm. see it as a big refueling system that's constantly right. birthing and uh, rebirthing and birthing, dying and rebirthing. Mm. That way of thinking fits into almost all indigenous cultures
1: it's it's amazing it's extraordinary it's extraordinary it? it is profound without the use of telescopes and space shuttles and
2: well and without the use of a roman catholic church sitting over your dead body and and giving you your last rites and going into some illusion that they've created you know if mm. we actually thought about the bigger stuff mm. and actually took our eye off everything that we've created i think we'd be a lot more content species
1: well, man, it's, you know, anxiety, depression, that things all, are that are going all, through the roof getting stems, further away from...
2: That all stems from the system that we've created and, yeah. and trying to fucking feel comfortable with it when it's actually so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's based on competition. Where You and I are competing. We're all competing. That's, that's the nature of our society, whereas Indigenous society it's built around sharing they call it, call it wunan here it's an amazing story that you see painted on the rocks and sung and and everything else and and yeah the the, the whole culture was about sharing you caught a fish that fish was dispersed
1: so 40 to 60000 years let's say yep. of a of a prosperous group of uh, sometimes of prosperous sometimes, sometimes nearly wiped out yep but 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 most civilizations have collapsed in much less time than that, especially with, uh, since the farming, you know, agricultural watch, watch revolution. Watch democracy. Yeah, right. Hundreds of
2: years, not yeah. even.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know. So the way that those cultures can last for so long and have that resilience is because everything puts the environment uh, first. Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're part of it. It's rather. a
2: very different relationship. Yeah, You are part of a living system. The earth mm. is a living system and it has within it multiple living systems and your job is to be a custodian and protect it. And if you do that, it protects you. It's a completely that, different way of viewing it's such the world.
1: A, it's such a more comforting idea in terms of dealing with mortality that you are part of, of earth and you go th- – that recycling and, and the – I mean, I don't – we had to sort of invent heaven and God and judgment and all these things when it seems from my limited knowledge that, that um, Indigenous cultures have just, that all fits to the cycle of the planet. You're part of that cycle that's happening most in, of the in time. Cultures, controlling
2: it. In Indigenous cultures you see... I, I, I go back to the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm. Incredible story. And it's the first story of the demise of humanity from leaving the garden and tilling the soils and building the yeah, cities. Yeah. And um, um, which bit are we up to? Just refresh my memory. I was racing ahead of myself then. Um, oh, Gilgamesh. Shit. And uh, so he goes back. He goes back to uh, an island. After a long and convoluted story, he goes back to an island and he finds there the survivor of the flood. This character's name is Utu Napchin, and he's right. got a, a wife. And they're often hags or they're blind. In this case, she, well, she just didn't speak. Mm. And Gilgamesh goes to Utu who is called the last of the immortals. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about, immortality. He was known as the last of the immortals. They survived the flood. Hmm. After the flood, we become mortal. Before right. the flood, we were immortal. Right. tells Gilgamesh that he's to go back across the sea that he's just come across and he's to dive down and he'll find a mysterious plant. And in that plant, he'll find um, the questions that he's looking for. Ah. And, of course, history will show that the plant was actually – he got the plant, he goes back across the sea – He falls asleep at a strange spring. These are all the symbols that, of course, are very prevalent in Aboriginal culture. Mm. And out of that spring comes a serpent, which, Mm. of course, uh, happens here. And the serpent grabs the plant and then goes back down the spring, thus depriving humanity, Gilgamesh, but Mm -hmm. he's a king. Yeah, yeah. Thus depriving them the knowledge of immortality. And so that is why before the flood, people were seen as immortal because. They had ceremonies and knowledge that allowed right. them to see their soul moving through different spheres and everything else. And then, so not, even, the not
1: immortal in our sense, no, no, it's immortal. a spiritual it, thing, it's a spiritual immortality. The, the pursuit
2: of, um, yeah. of yeah. Walt Disney and cryogenics to freeze yourself <laughs> or, you <laughs> know, to to, yeah, to that, put it Botox, you know, to just
1: doesn't matter. It's, it's not, it's
2: yeah, it's not yeah. a physical thing, which yeah. is. It makes me laugh when I see people people doing that. It's yeah. a it's a spiritual thing,
1: yeah, yeah. Which you can you can find here. Yeah, that's so amazing that all these stories link and connect. And then you see with the the corruption of them through Christianity. You know, like all those dates that are still pagan dates that we use now. That they've just gone. Well, people aren't going to want to change their hot their their celebration. They're all the 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 harvest times and the equinoxes and things like that, aren't they? And then, and you know, I'm putting warts on witches' noses to... The
2: first two pages of that book, when uh, um, there's a man and a woman in a garden under a tree next to another tree, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life, and um, yeah. she eats an apple and they don't die and their eyes are opened and there's a subtle serpent, she's conversing with a subtle serpent. That is an indigenous ceremony. Yeah, right. That was practiced here, that is practiced in Peru, that's practiced in Mexico it's still practiced in Russia and with and, different plants well, with different ceremonies and different, different ways yeah, there's right. in some places it was plants in Jerusalem it was sacred bread it was mm. bread that was left on the altar for more than 3 days that's why David mm. wasn't allowed to build a temple because he'd eaten the consecrated but bread but was it moldy bread did of it have it was it was moldy. Of it ergot ergot yeah, yeah right. which, which which then became the LSD. base which became the base of the mm. Eleusinian mysteries in Greece for 2000
1: years you know so, the apple, the, 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 all these plants that have been. It's left a here metaphor
2: to... for a ceremony. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which amazing. I've just I... happened to do, you know. So, I kind of. I, and, and, and it's funny how our brain, our Western brain, whenever you say something like that, our Western brain quickly snaps to our old story. And we were mm-hmm. taught about prohibition of those um, ceremonies and yeah. stories and drugs and all this sort of stuff. It's amazing yeah. how we quickly judge what I've just said. Yeah. And I'm interested too in that. I'm interested in how everybody's brains just click and yeah. automatically judge and then I actually like the conversation afterwards yeah. you know of, of sort of bringing people around to you know how I see it and 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 you know just just experiences and people and with all else.
1: these things linking up for you and you know so you're just off now like in a sense like if enough things link up it's you're sort of on a path of knowledge that you can't, you can't um, um know now. You sort of, and it's none of it you, is in my yeah. head, right? I had a dream
2: the other day. Again, I don't want to sound weird, but I had a dream the other day. <laughs> I always had these. I used to have these flight dreams. You know, when you nothing's going right in your life and depression and all that, yeah. and you have these flight dreams where you start to take off. You might yeah, be in a plane, yeah. or a, and then you crash. <laughs> yeah. You crash into the telephone lines or.
1: I used to call them standing flapping dreams. That's Sometimes you've got to flap and you're not getting off the ground and then if you stop flapping, you fall down again. Anyway, That's it. Yeah. And then
2: eventually I started having these dreams where I started to fly. I'd be able to walk mm-hmm. and, and the walks would, you know, it'd be like being on the moon. I'd, mm-hmm. The gravity would go and I'd be able to, to, to bounce and to float mm-hmm. and then I'd be able to control it and everything else. And I started to move through the dreams, and I and I began to be able to control it. I thought that was really cool. And then, not that long ago, actually, I had another dream. And while I was doing it, thinking that it was me, my ego was so pleased that mm. you know that that I was doing this. And and as the universe does to us, it gently reminds us that it's actually not us that's driving the boat. And in this dream, there was a young girl holding on to me, and she was the reason why I was flying and floating. She was she was the the vessel the vehicle and I've, I've come back from that dream and i'm going you know what i think she actually has a lot to do with how i'm moving through this place because you know i don't seem to make a lot of decisions i seem to have um phone calls that seem to come up at the right time and uh, and i kind of just observe it yeah, and it's amazing yeah. and and some things are the wrong way and you know you you're old enough now and wise enough to actually realise that you're going in the wrong way and come back on it.
1: And it does. It's just bumping me along. Um, I certainly had that experience up here. Yeah. Of just... It's, it's amazing. You're in this sort of flow. Yeah. If you're open. Yeah. If you sort of...
2: Yeah. I can't do that in the city. No. I tried no, it.
1: No, neither can
2: I. And I used to end up so frustrated that I ended up in public libraries, and I no doubt you did as well, yeah. writing shit um whiling away the days in not being able to go in Churches, yeah.
1: churches yeah. funnily enough <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- just because they're so awesome oh, and, and, beautiful. and beautiful yeah um so I, my attempt to get us on to um fatherhood failed before though it didn't really because what i was getting at was that ha- was was kind of hinting at a how this affects your feeling about k- your kids yeah right like how all of this, if, if at all, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the way you um, face the world and treat the world is you're just modeling, you're parenting by modeling behavior a lot, which yeah. is great to be curious and inquiring and open and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, it's, it's confronting when, when you know this stuff you know and the way things could be. And the way things are, and this this kind of sense that, that we really can't sustain. I mean, we fucking we all know it now, like we know it. And then part of me also goes, well, but then that's okay too, you know. I mean, what are you going to do? It doesn't mean we give up, and we we. we but but on the same, this is a, this is a cycle that our particular cultures going through, and is going to like like the Aztecs or the. Hopefully we won't start cutting people's heads off on the top of... Wow, um,
2: oh, if, if yeah. uh, <laughs> Trump and Fox get their way. Yeah, Jesus.
1: <laughs> so listen, you got to, you've got a son and a daughter.
2: I have a... I, okay, so we'll yeah. start at the beginning. Let's... let's. Uh, uh, in uh, August of 1999, I've just finished a couple of films with late, great Malcolm Douglas, <laughs> and I've got a bundle of cash in my back pocket and I'm tossing up where to fly to because I used to like to go and make some films and then I used to jump on a plane and bugger off mm. and go and do stuff. And this particular time, August um, August um back in 1999, I decided to fly over to see my parents, of all people, in Queensland on the mouth of the Tully River. And I'd heard and, – and it's a caravan park – it's at a caravan park. Yeah. So that's why I loved Grey Nomads because I know I've lived with Grey Nomads. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I stayed in the caravan park three times for six weeks and four weeks with nobody that was under 60. Yeah. It's hilarious. Mm. So I go over there to see my folks and I get wind that there's a young lady there with a baby. And I, I know a little bit of the backstory. And another young man um, who were kids. We were all about the same. When I say kids, we were, I was 20, I was 30. And, oh, okay. and and Meg was 27, and, and our friend, who we all met on the same day, Nigel, he was 29. Anyway, so we all meet. So we're the youngest crew there, so we hang out. We're all like-minded souls, but Meg's got this brand-new baby. As it turns mm. out, her husband, right, the father of the baby, has uh, hit the skids, um, gone on a cocaine binge, uh, end up with a pretty lawyer, and was bunkered down in the ski slopes of Victoria, leaving his wife... And their brand yeah. new son, um, kind of Yeah. <laughs> shipwrecked. Yeah. She's um she's doing the best she can, but she's uh um her parents have said, come up to Queensland and, you know, just hang out with us and we'll get through this. Anyway, I meet her. Mm. The first day we meet was over a fish gutting table. I had my shirt off and in those <laughs> days I I had kind of a six pack and I was <laughs> Cutting up a big Spanish mackerel.
1: This fits with what Will says, that to impress a woman, you have to kill something and cook it for her. No, nah, she, <laughs> she just
2: stumbled into <laughs> an abattoir.
1: <Yeah. laughs> it was nothing like that. Uh,
2: Although this probably does tweak a very primal thing in all of us. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. So we got to chatting then and then uh, classic, I think it was that afternoon, where we I'm sort of um, loitering around the caravan mm. park trying to find out where like she me is. on the scooter. Yeah, That's yeah. That's his house. <laughs> and Meg ends up at the uh, the laundry, you know, with those communal laundries where oh, you have yeah. to put in a couple of $1. Oh, yeah. And she pretends that she doesn't know how a front end loader operates. Yeah. And I pretended that I did and uh, managed to get it going and she uh, – Let me help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit like that. And anyway, uh, that was it. I asked her out on a date. I went and – borrowed a mate's tinny, Max, and uh, Meg and I went on our first date on the Tully River. We took a six-pack of beer and some cheese, and we fished for um, Black Brim and went, Crocodile, uh, spotting
1: on the Tully River <laughs> and that was I can see you're keeping up the crocodile mythology because uh, you, yeah, you yeah, already yeah. said she was impressed with your yeah, with yeah it was probably all of that yeah. bullshit were you standing on. on the bow with your shirt off probably spotting
2: I was pretty <laughs> I was pretty pathetic in those days <laughs> we all are when it comes I, to I really believe that I was that character yeah I laugh at it these days yeah. but anyway in a, a whirlwind romance yeah, yeah. uh Meg ends up back at aforementioned Crocodile Park six, eight weeks later and In we Broome. we are a family. Yeah, right. And, of course, I've met her three-month-old son during those yeah. first days and I, I had a, I had, a, had a very little to do with babies. Mm. I mean, when, when mum and dad immigrated from England, we had no immediate family. I, I ah, had yeah. a clean slate. I had no grandparents. I didn't know what it was like to have a family outside so of Derek my mother and father. Derek talks about
1: not knowing with his parents what to do because he didn't have grandparents. But it it's, a,
2: it's also a wonderful opportunity, and it's taken me 50 years to realise this, because you've got a blank slate. There's yeah, no right. religion. There's no... There's, there's no, no... there's no Family. Brain. Shit. Oh, there, there's well, family shit. My mum loved to drink, and my old man's a nutcase. <laughs> Hello, Dad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we all, we all battled through. Yeah. And... Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it actually, it's made me the person that I am because I did. I, I started from a, a fresh slate. Anyway, I met the baby, fell in love with the baby, um, straight away, which mm. was really, it was a really natural thing. And I, I still to this day I can't believe how that happened. So you've known
1: him all his life. Probably yeah, as good as, yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah, wow. I went back to Adelaide and, and that's where I met the husband and all of the friends. And that was, that was hilarious. Um, in the end, I became so close with all of them. And to this day, they're very dear friends of mine. Meg's mob from Adelaide. And Hang on, the husband meaning? Meg's husband. Oh, right. Oscar's,
1: Oscar's biological
2: dead. father. Oh, and
1: you, you, you were okay? You go on a... Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, you just laugh your way through anything, don't you? Wow. And um, <laughs> we went and stayed with him only six months ago in Adelaide for a couple of weeks. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, he, but I was, I became dad. Right. I raised Oscar. Okay. Yeah. Um, I i was tough on him at times and he was the first kid and you're always tougher on the first kid. It's a, it is is harder. And then the second one comes along and you're a little bit more loose and at, I'm often reminded by now my 20-year-old son, Oscar.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he reminds me of how hard I was on him and how lenient I am on our 13-year-old daughter, Poppy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting getting that feedback.
1: <laughs> hey, before I forget, um, last <laughs> night at dinner, um, Judith told a little story. Ju- Judith and Alan, this is just quick backstory. Are, are very peaceful Buddhists that we know, and she told a story about to make us feel better about we're having a lot of trouble up here with Sammy and Luna and sleeping, yeah. and they are exhausted, and it's yeah, man, it's fucking hard, as you know. But uh, Judith said, I uh, told this story about how one time she took the baby out and just told him to leave, took him out in the street, said, fuck off. <laughs> and uh, and it had to be Alan that came to, came out and got him again, like he was seven or something. But isn't it I, so good? I, 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 I isn't hope she it, doesn't mind me saying. It.
2: Isn't it so good that it, that information comes from Judith, who is Mother Earth? She is Mother Earth. She yeah. is the warmest, most loving human being on the planet, and even she was tested yeah. and did... Things like that. And it does wake
1: And up. And I said to her, that is really what parents need to hear sometimes is that because we load ourselves up with guilt because of the moments when we just can't cope, you know. And and for her to, to share that, that I've now just shared with everyone else, um, but just, <laughs> I don't think she'd mind. Um, I'll ask her and then I'll edit this if she does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's what this whole podcast was about. Yeah. Rather than advice, it was about trying to kind of, Say, look, we're all trying to cope, and and if you if you at least there and you're trying, you've already doing better, you know than than wow. some I suppose. Or mm, Meg you know. Meg said this morning when we were talking about this, she said it's
2: amazing that there's a manual for giving birth, yeah. But there's no manual afterwards, which and it's it's so true. We don't we don't. I was thrust into it. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. You you certainly instinctively you know, things kick in. Mm. But at the same time, you also bring, if, if, you're, if you're not communicating, you also bring some bad habits from what you were shown from right. your stuff and, and looking at that is interesting and I know totally. for me it did and mm. then, okay, and, and then your wife may be pointing out to you and, and that's really tough right that's really tough to be told oh you're acting a bit like your old man yeah. you're acting a bit like your mother because you know you you still harbour
1: these children just yes they find out where the hard wiring is in your brain what what what's most deeply wired and and i some you know childhood specialists that will say that particularly men i was looking specifically at men but men will father the way they were fathered if they don't you know, consciously do something else. They'll do what that what first happened to them. And if it was impatience and anger, that's what you go to, you know. And that's, I, I certainly um, had some of that stuff come up for me. Just You find out what the instinctual
2: Absolutely, traits Absolutely, and you and I have talked about this before. Luckily, mm. very early on in my parenting career, an old man said to me, yeah, you realize that, our children don't call us father or mother. We call our children mother or father. Yeah, yeah. And uh, instantly I realized what he was saying because the child is holding up a mirror to you right. if you can see that mirror.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I think once you actually visualize that, that is, uh, it's so important and so much falls away. Yeah, yes. I think Rich was saying, you know, kids are resilient. Kids are incredibly resilient. Um, and
1: it's kind of us that are kind of freaking out. Absolutely, absolutely, pictures. and it's
2: our generations as well. I mean, yeah. you can like the dinner last night, and um, you you can go there, and the, the mothers and our mothers and our fathers—they're a very different breed where they yeah. cast you out and you were thrown to the lions. And mm. Generation X is a very bitter about that, mm. and 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 through that neuroses and everything else, we are raising kids as helicopters, a lot of us, I see it. And I've mm. probably been guilty of it as well. Yeah, it's hard. It's Whereas hard here, thing. you see a lot more in the cities than you do mm. here. Mm. And, you know, it's it's a country existence here, but it's also a wonderful existence because we get a lot of um, amazing people coming to us as well. Yeah. But there's, This reminds me a lot of how I grew up in the 70s. You know, you, yeah. the kids have to be reasonably tough. They got to put up with environments. The the schools are pretty tough. You know, there's a mm. lot of um, underprivileged people at the schools, and so it, it 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 kind of breeds a bit of um, toughness.
1: Yeah, and then you you learn a bit of resilience. And you learn a little bit of how to sort of be diplomatic too, and negotiate with people who might be a bit, you know, full on and absolutely. Uh, that's all really valuable, and mm. it's it's a, it's just so hard to know how to. Artificially create that. I think in the seventies, it was just like that. Like people parented, the, the kids got exposed to more stuff that helped them grow and be resilient. So they can't take all the, that much credit for it. Now we have to sort of artificially create it because we have all this comfort and all these things. In in at least in people who are who are well, most of us to some extent, you know, have have uh, more sort of what is it just access to ways of protecting each other. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But it's it's a different thing. Um, uh, go on. I, I forgot what I was going to say. Um,
2: up, up, up. It is a very it's, – it's, you know, in the 20 years that I've been parenting – there's been a lot of change, mm. and I don't envy I don't envy uh, you guys because mm. you guys have got young families, mm. and your kids are growing up in a very different information age to even yeah. what Oscar grew up yeah, yeah in. You know, Oscar is not. I mean, he's got his phone with him a fair bit, but you know, he's still old enough not to be with it all the time. And the way that you know, the way that we're finding out how manipulation,
1: uh, data, and Information are being manipulated. I, I, I do. I know. It's it's and it's like standing in front of a fucking wave, a forty foot wave. When you even even with Sammy at four and a half, and he's going, phone, 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 games, and I'm like, i he's never played a game on my phone, and and yeah, it's this wall of, and that's part of the reason why we're trying to keep coming up here too, to get him out in the crabbing swamp, in the you know, and, and just have some sense of the earth and the ground and and. Well, no, I can, so it so might spark something in it well, later.
2: Yeah, coming from my experience, it will. Yeah. You know, my time living in Roden when I was a kid, whilst you didn't think about it at the time, um, that, that planted a seed that,
1: you know, became the formation of how I lived my life. So it becomes an, at least another option that's there. Absolutely. When, when you've presented with um, choices. At, you, they you go, feel comfortable oh. going there. Yeah.
2: They feel, and anywhere where people feel comfortable, they'll... You know, they'll spend, it doesn't have, they don't have to live here, but they can keep coming back here and here, you know,
1: here you can, you can clear your mind a bit more.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, we've, oh, what was, I? I we, we were talking on a particular line before about the kids and I've lost what it was and I really wanted to pick it up. Um. We were
2: talking
1: about this. Is, this is our our problem? Our problem this, is, we, this is why we don't get any crabs because we, we just get, keep going. We're on to very
2: these. tangential. Ten,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, um, we were talking about. We were talking bringing, about bringing. It was something about them bringing in, uh, um, about the, the showing you your where your weaknesses are, where your work needs to be done. Oh, that's right. I was talking also about. I I imagine when I was. Coming up against it with Sammy and to do with behaviour and all that stuff and being pushed to my edge, and my as my natural responses would come up. I imagine my father when he was at this stage of bringing us up, and he must have been coming up against these instincts and intuitions that he didn't know where they came from, or he might have vague memory. And my father's great, and was, and, and I'm very lucky to have had both of them. Um, but but I'm I'm sure just because of what. I've experienced that he must have experienced that when we were in early days as all of us do and you make those mistakes and you put the baby outside or you what you know whatever um I I it's given me a whole underst- appreciation for the the lineage of oh of parents having to deal with y- you know yeah there's that and and it's, and, and that is a
2: that's a Being a a father is a healing process. Yeah. Because not only are you trying to work out how to raise grommets. Yeah. You're also working through the psychology. Most of us probably don't realise it. Mm. Those that are conscious do. Most of us are working through the psychology of our childhoods through Uh, being fathers. And I was lucky because I started to get a glimpse of it pretty early. And mm-hmm. it was at that time that I started to work on myself because, I, you know, there was all sorts of su- things that were bubbling to the surface with me and I suffered depression and, you know. I was, well, I'm in the thick of that now. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's had up my everything that I've got to try and yep. grapple with. And, yep. and, and you know what's hard about, sorry to interrupt, no. that, the hard thing about that too is that I've got to go down this road for everyone's sake for my sake and the family's sake, but I know that it's difficult. It's making uh, – it's, it's, it's a hard road and, and knowing that they're with me makes it a bit even harder, you know. So it's a hard one, isn't it? You've got to do it, but, but you're also conscious of the so of other people. So my mum died this time last year.
2: Right. Uh, when I was a teenager, my mum was uh, – she was a drinker. Mm. And her pattern was, you know, she would start to have a drink at five and she'd be pretty slaughtered by nine. Mm. My father, at the same time, and this is pivotal years uh, this is uh, 15, 16, bit of 17. My father is suffering a debilitating um, depression. Mm-hmm. He can go and work, but he can't do anything else. So he was literally coming back from work and then going straight into his room mm-hmm. and fighting his demons and then going to work again. So wow. uh, hats off to him, incredible. I, I I have so much respect for him now. It was very hard for mm. me to deal with at the time and for a lot of years afterwards. I understand that now. Anyway, fast forward to my life and I started to see a little bit of it as, as well mm. and and so did my wife and uh you know it that was that was a that was a 10-year journey, probably even longer, um for me to work my way through. To a point now where i'm still not a hundred hundred percent comfortable but i 'm ninety five percent comfortable
1: and so did you find that what you were go- that the kids were kind of the catalyst for a lot of that it, without <laughs> blaming them, but like just the intensity of there that. was
2: behavior that I saw in myself um, that reminded me of my parents, especially towards my son, mm. that was pointed out to me by my wife mm. very candidly, which uh That's a humbling experience. It shook me to my bones, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was said enough and often enough. And I'm very thankful for it that it made me actually start to really look at myself and my behaviour, and and Mm. you know start to tinker and adjust with things. And look, I'm Mm. not saying I'm a perfect father, and my kids know that I'm not. I haven't been a perfect father, but. Mm they also understand the journey that i've been on and the mm. honesty that i've had with myself as as much as possible um and i think they kind of respect that in a way um mm. um
1: but yeah it's been it's been a, a journey
2: mm. often at times very dark
1: yeah i'm really i'm really in that because i i started looking at my behaviors partly because of this podcast well you know that kind of and and so I went in feeling like, oh, this is a, a very good. Th- you know, why do I behave this way? And I started I- I investigating my family and other men in the family, and 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 my mother, and 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 and, and it's brought us all closer together. The, the, there's no major kind of trauma as such, for well, but there's inherited trauma. There's the 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 grandparents and the war trauma and, and the way that affected the particularly the sons in the family. My my uncle, uh, and and you know and and all this sort of stuff so it got me looking outward at that and looking at my parents together with me so, sort of having this compassion now for what they were going through because they were both painting me this picture of the 70s when they were in their early 20s and they had me and they had and, and you know the difficulties in their relationship what they were trying to do with their own lives not just ours so i go on to that and i i've been coming up against my limitations with the kids and that has caused me more anxiety and more, like it's it's showing me where exactly what the nature of my psychological problems that led to my booze and drug use. Yeah. I, I've, I've learned stuff now. And so that's what I meant by it's, it sent me down a road yeah. that I have to go down. Yeah, But what's upsetting for me is that I'm also trying to be present to them and protect them while I go down it. I can't just not go down it. But but yeah, it's hard because it, it it all comes up. My my the 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 way I deal with um, stress, I, I realise, but and and it shows me why I behaved the way I did it all back then. Because I can't regulate my emotions, which is a characteristic of of ADHD. That so possibly a, 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 I don't know yet, but possibly as a kid, that was something that. that the kind of brain I had. Yeah. And it all makes me realize why I could be very smart on one level and not be very successful on another. The shame, the, 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 uh, you know, bullying and then d- drugs and alcohol, blah, blah, blah. My, my inability to regulate my emotions is now very, very obvious to me yeah missy deals with certain things that i don't deal with i go into this apocalyptic thinking and it's and it's and now i see it mirrored all the way back through my life yeah and it's all because sammy stands there and goes fuck you more or less no 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 right and i'm looking at him and i'm going like you're putting me in the line you're putting me in this place that's showing me my fucking life that's why you call him dad that's why I've got to call in dad, right? Mm. So what I'm in the middle of is just trying to fathom all of this and then go, part of me wants to just leave it and go, no, no, you've got to be a father now and you've just got to put all that. And I go, no, but I can't just do that. I've got to somehow, you know. But I, I made a flippant remark on our first podcast about how, I thought it was a funny thing to say but it was true, was reading a book about... um about uh, four-year-olds and, and it telling me that they can't regulate their emotions and I was like, fuck you, no shit, neither can I. What I've learned from that is I can't either. I cannot regulate, at least internally. This is why I've walked out on jobs, like because someone's, like look, all my life there's been this kind of inability to get a space between the emotion and the action. Yeah. It's helped me creatively sometimes yeah. and it means I was able to um, sp- like um. Uh, improvise. It's no. Re- it's no surprise I did comedy and improvised things. So I don't know where all this ends or what I'm. But I know I'm on the right track to understanding some of my history. So, absolutely, you have suggested that you. Yeah, the, to go. You went through some some stuff exploded out yep. from there for yep. you as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. About depression, about
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it was funny because that was in increments of my kid's age when I look back, which were important increments probably in my life. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, and it's always sort of you know in it's it's in it, kids have epochs you know um yeah. they have you know the 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 baby epoch and then the toddler epoch and the toddler epoch is like when you're you know you're yeah. on high alert you yeah. know when they're running around and pulling open cupboards and putting lighters in their mouth and everything else and then yeah. you know then they go through the, the 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 twos and the threes and the the resistance and you know it's always fascinating and interesting and 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 each of those epochs yeah tests you right because you were tested.
1: Yeah. As well, you know. Oh, I was the tester, man. I was doing this presumably to my fucking parents.
2: I, again, I heart back to indigenous Shit. people. <laughs> the, it's the father that has the spirit dream. Right. So before conception, the father often near a waterhole will have a dream where they'll, the, the spirit of the child will come to them and that's when the father and the mother knows they're going to have a baby.
1: Wow. And This is pre kind of yeah this is obvious pre pregnancy yeah
2: and so. absolutely and it mm. happened to me with Poppy in a, in, mm. a, in another long and beautiful beautiful story which we'll talk about at some other time but um yeah and in that dream the baby the baby chooses you it comes to you
1: mm. my mother used to say that
2: and <laughs> and uh, uh, and and the father wakes up and says I've had a spirit dream yeah. and then you know the mother gives birth and then the spirit of the child enters into the baby and blah 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 you know but that's super critical that 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 child chooses the father
3: right? Right. and it
2: chooses that father because it chooses the life that it wishes in this life cycle to learn
1: and you know it's it gets into almost like buddhist thought so the so the child is kind of prepping you for what he he or she needs from you ultimately as well
2: i think it's i think it's a contract between both yeah I think it's a contract between both because that spirit child is still living in the miasma of all, of all of that. And that's apparently where consciousness is. And, you know, so it goes, okay, I want, I want Dan in this lifetime because, you know, Dan is going to teach me resilience or it's, he's going to teach me adaptability, you know, any of those things. And in return, you know, you're mm. getting something from, from Sammy. And I, I love that view. That's very helpful, man. Yeah. It's very helpful. I, I, I love that view because, it's
1: more helpful than you'll burn in hell.
2: if you Well, know, the fucking, Victorian, you know, yeah. it's again, it's that story and that illusion that we grew up with that we're the ones that are in control and that we're molding these lives. Yes, we are molding these lives. We're mm. molding them probably not in a way that they should be molded, mm. you know, in this. Fear this, generating. Yeah, yeah, yeah this this whole story that we're all wrapped up in, which is fear-based and all those sorts mm. of things, when it's actually not, it's it's far more simple and far more beautiful. Mm. <laughs> that That kid is holding up a mirror to you, and, uh, and, and it's your job to actually realize that that mirror is being held up and it's, it's on your head to actually listen to what that kid is doing mm. and, and fix it, and fix it quickly because, you know, there's still a fair bit more of life that uh, needs to be lived outside of healing yourself.
1: Oh, that's right. Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing I feel bad about at the moment. Is I'm going kind of like, yeah, but God, how deep does this thing feeling, go? Feeling feeling bad just, no, just no, fuels no, 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 that
2: fuels that beast. You, 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 it'll it it will work out. You just got to realise it.
1: Oh, you, and I've just got to look into it. I'm, I'm I'm just seeing him there. You know, he's doing all this stuff, and and you know, it's it's beautiful too. There's great stuff, but I I I fixate on the the difficulties you know as a lot of people do um but when he's when he's challenging me i i, I it's it's confronting and shocking you know and you, and you sort of it's easy to chicken out i want i i need to try to step forward and embrace you know and I mean, how
2: wise are our wives
1: oh dude i'd be look they
2: are so wise i mean they already know Hmm. And they just sit back with a little smile on their face and um realize that you know this is all going on, and that you do uh you know that that you do need healing and yeah, wives blow me away
1: yeah i don't I don't really understand i mean I don't know where Missy came from, and I don't understand her patience and her um it's breathtaking it's extraordinary and, and, so, and so, you know she's got a thir- you know third kid in me in a way so sometimes you know i i
2: and you imagine a society where uh where it was more feminine based than this mm. competitive masculine based system that we especially had especially
1: politics well like, poli- I, I, po- politics
2: I, is a masculine game Right. all of
1: those systems are masculine games i, I i've been sort of saying that i think in terms of this kind of gender equality and stuff that politics is an area i think that should be 80% female like just no question asked. i'm not really interested in 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 um uh quotering with by gender but politics i am yeah I, I i just think it's a it's already a masculine game but it's a total shit fight when it's
2: oh yeah
1: and i know, look
2: yeah um no i i couldn't agree with you more but yeah our our I I I've 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 learnt as much out of um out of my relationship with uh, Meg and her patience and um you know just gentle direction through all of this. Yeah. She knows she knows that men and boys are in pain. She knows that with a warm heart she can just gently navigate you through and just you know just very gently show you Little marker boys along the way, and just gently say, "Well, why don't you do
1: this?" And you know, just
2: gently correct you. So it's your kids working. Is that under- why
1: we've persecuted? You know, like there's a, apparently the definition of misogyny is not hating women exactly. It's 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 to do with um, resenting the fact that you need them. If you want to look at it in a kind of Freudian way, it's like the, it's it's retaliating against the. It's it's the dependence on them that makes them. I think that hate them or, I think that
2: is a, as a result of the swindle that occurred. It's a long time ago now, <laughs> um, where yeah. women did hold the law and had knowledge of a lot of things, and men. And it's it's written in the old stories. Um mm. I can I can go through a hundred of them. But yeah, yeah. it's where men end up raping or murdering the feminine and then um taking it over and creating the priesthood and putting those between yeah. God and man and, and prohibiting serum you know, there's a whole bunch of things that went yeah. on. And I think that, that misogyny, that hatred of women is as a result of the the fucked up Chinese whispers since mm. then that are, you know, being whispered through churches and families and, you know. Any way, any one of a number of means, mm. the stories just get more convoluted, and 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 you know, bad stuff bad stuff is happening. How yeah, many yeah. how many women are, are are being murdered in your part of the world, for example, in mm. Melbourne, in the city, mm-hmm. vicious crimes. Um, so yeah, we've got a long way to go to get through.
1: But being able to um to to find that. The love and the patience within. I mean, I go into fight flight stuff so easily, you know, and and it's horrible. It's it's like I've got this lizard brain that jumps in, and then I, and then I go, you know, just calm down. This is a like Missy can say to me, "It was a rough night," and I go, and I know it's true, but but internally,
2: yeah, I know, I'm, I know, I'm what, going, I know what, what the you're saying.
1: fuck are we gonna do? I can't yeah it's so it's so us. <laughs>
2: yeah I know what you're saying, yeah yep um and I can remember those days yeah I think um' it's
1: so confronting,
2: yeah but I think I think that melts away after a while too yeah. and
1: then you forget it ever happened <laughs> man you were running point. on no sleep mm.
2: the two things the two things that you lose um when you become a parent one is uh, the ability to stay awake after nine o'clock late yeah. last night was a late one. For me, yeah, yeah, uh, and and the second thing is the inability to sleep past six o'clock. Yeah, you can't sleep in. Yeah, so Miss sleep, you can, but sleep, I is, can't, yeah. sleep is such a big one. Oh man, and we don't we don't talk about that enough because I I know if I don't get enough sleep, I, the the world collapses around me, mm. and then throw in a screaming kid. I remember when I was working at the Crocodile Park. <laughs> And I would come back and Oscar was a screamer when he was little. He was like Luna, as I understand mm. Luna is. He was full on. And I would come home and hear it every night. And I would I would often go into the kitchen. We had this beautiful little house down in Old broom. Mm. I'd go into the kitchen. I'd cook the meal, beautiful meal for Meg because she'd been with the baby all day and we'd sit down and eat the meal and everything. And then come half past eight, he's still screaming. I would walk out of the house and roll my swag out in the dirt driveway and sleep in my swag
1: <laughs> you couldn't five nights to...
2: out of seven because I couldn't – if I didn't sleep, I couldn't function. Yeah. It was just everything. Around. I remember those days vividly. And I'm looking at you guys. You yeah. know, Rich has got three under five and you've got a couple and, 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 you know, hearing all of that,
1: it just takes me back. And what's hard for me though is that the, 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 there are certain – Mental health issues I have around anxiety and the stuff that and I don't know and how that environment and is the worst, it's the worst environment. So it's it's showing me like I'm going ah oh, right okay so I've got a problem with emotional regulation and there's this is I mean I've got diagnosable issues here which is fine I'm getting shown that and there's ways to get around that but the problem is I'm right in the 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 people who are showing me that. <laughs> Don't go home. They they stay there and they keep doing it. So what I'm just getting from all this talking to you is I've got to try to look in, in those moments and try to step step up to it and step toward it rather than get frightened by it. Like slow down and be,
2: yeah,
3: I don't
1: know. It's a feeling I'm trying to get hold of. Hopefully this doesn't happen to you. Right.
2: But there was, there was oh, two. I don't like that
1: beginning to a It
2: all points to in my um in my period as a father that really changed everything. Mm. Uh, One was with a great white shark in 2001, Mm -hmm. um, where I saw everything flash before my eyes and thought that I was not going to get through this um, adventure. Uh, And the second was going to Peru in 2013 on an amazing, amazing journey. Mm. And both of those, both of those incidents, went a long way to me recalibrating fatherhood and me um, as a man and as a human and and, mm. and and all of those things. They were they were very very big, right. And those events are not cerebral events. No, you cannot. What it does is it just completely rejigs you. It completely rewires you, and both of those things did, and uh, and I'm very grateful for them. They were huge upheavals in my life, but I'm very grateful for them because, um, they 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 made me a better person and a better father. Hmm.
1: So, the sh- hang on, the shark thing. I know about the rituals in Peru, but the shark thing. Did you are you saying you came up face to face with getting eaten by a shark type thing? Yeah. So, so it was pretty much. We, we were
2: swim- I was swimming around in the water. To cut a long story short, I was swimming around in some water, which I'd already seen the fin in of a five-meter great white shark, and I had lost my fins. I had a hole in my BC jacket, and I was kicking like a motherfucker just to breathe because I had no air. It's a, long, it's a long story as to how I got into this position. Uh in the very water where I'd seen the shark only three minutes previous, mm. kicking and knowing that with each kick I'm sending through a pulse through that water of panic, mm. and my mind went into a space that you hear about. Um, I heard Rich talking about it the other day. Yeah, yeah with his yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and it, that experience was uh, pivotal. Mm-hmm. Slowed it down and slowed down. Saw saw my life. Uh, passed before my eyes. Uh, all of the sound disappeared. I was in a vacuum. I remember hearing a voice um, twice, and and then eventually it was like a like a Hollywood film. The sound <laughs> came back in, and all the mm. air and the waves and everything came back in. Mm. But that <laughs> area, mm. and it could have been ten seconds long. It could have been two minutes long. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure of that two minute area. Uh, that 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 period of time is indelibly locked in the middle of my corpus callosum in my brain and mm. and and kind of defines everything that I do because I thought I was going I thought yeah, I was gone yeah. And, yeah well it was it was a, and it's not until I no heard brainer, you guys I heard you guys talking about base jumping and grog and drugs and everything else what that is is suicide quickly <laughs> or slowly yeah. My mum just died from lung cancer at the age of 71 last year. She committed mm. suicide. She smoked for fifty or five years she, and she On drank. The that it, On the yeah. knowledge that it was going to kill her and it killed yeah. her. And yeah. we we're all doing that. We we're all tempting it. Yeah. And I had been tempting it with crocodiles and Malcolm Douglas and adventure and everything that I'd been doing until that happened and then I realised how valuable life was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went back to the Marion Marion Bay Hotel after this incident, literally an hour later, shaken to the core. And there was Meg and a a 12-month-old baby there, and it was like, you've got some responsibilities here. Mm. Um, You need to pull your head in. I don't know if I've ever pulled my head in properly, not like a normal person, but, Mm. (laughs) you know, everything changed. And that's a good thing. So expect some... You know, expect some big ones to come along and rattle you and change you, and try not to get caught up in the madness in between it, where you're constantly replaying everything. It's over my your mind. yeah. Well, that's the thing. This it's is that, th- 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 it's th- that th- noise. What,
1: what I'm what I'm discovering is about the the kind of um, topography of my brain, right? Th- that I do fixate and obsess, and a, and this, like I said, this apocalyptic thinking that just. And it also disappears after half an hour, no matter what happens and it's it's impossible to get out of when I'm in it yeah now there's I, I think I mean I can just medicate this stuff away for a short amount of time as yeah. I've done, or, and, and and that may be part of the solution or, or, or whatever, but I am super conscious these days from being here talking to you, talking to other people, Judith last night suggesting mm. meditation again, and I got a little bit defensive because I'm sick of hearing people. Telling me to meditate, even though I get what she's saying. But I need to find meaning and connection. This is what's, especially if I'm going to be a parent in a good way, I need, I don't, I, at core, I, I don't believe in the future very yes. much. And I and I don't have a sense of spiritual connection. I don't have, um, It's it's all... Uh cerebral, it's all academic type stuff. Um this is this is what I have to
2: Yeah. This is the twenty year old son coming <laughs> in with He's his big old Ute.
1: Hey mate. Son with a Ute. We're uh we're having a podcast. Yeah. We're just recording, yeah. We'll cut this bit out. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I, it's made me realise that I just I, I've got a i have got I need something to believe in, ah. or, or something to to feel. I mean, brooms the place. I mean, so I was fascinated. I'm with, loose, I'm I was, floating.
2: I was fascinated with Susan Bradley's comments. Wasn't that amazing? Yesterday, mm. at tender age of seventy-one, she's just retired, and she said, "What's it all about?"
1: And I thought, wow, I've been obsessed with that.
0: And <laughs>
2: you know, I did a trip two weeks before with one of the wealthiest people in this country mm. who unfortunately has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's mm. and he's got this wife and we go on a trip with Brian Lee up the coast. It's, it's I was filming something mm-hmm. and Brian Lee, being Brian Lee, sits down on this canvas sheet and the moon's coming up he's got a fire and, you know, these people are experiencing the Kimberley for the first time with an Aboriginal man that's probably the first time they've ever experienced it. Mm. And Brian Lee, being Brian Lee, turns around and says, so what do you mob want to (laughs) hear? And this woman, the wife of the billionaire, turns around and said, what's it all about? What is life about? And the irony of that question struck me. Here was a woman who ostensibly was the, at the height of human success. Richer than God. Richer than God. <laughs> Her <laughs> husband is losing his marbles, and here she was asking Brian Lee, who probably had to bum a tank of juice to get to Hunter's Creek. Here mm. she is asking him, what's the meaning of life? Yeah. So ironic. Yeah. Susan then says it again last night. It is, the pla- it, is the, it is the phrase that plagues the Western mind.
1: Hmm. It's because we're not connected anymore.
2: Well, it's because we're living in a story that we know is uh, ultimately not that satisfying. Yeah. And I cannot think of how sad it would be, and I thought about this when I buried my mum last year, how sad it would be to go through 71 years or 91 years or 104 years or however long you live for, and this hmm. would be most people. Hmm. Without ever trying to attempt to answer that question
1: because it's the most important question well, yes, but then again, I also env- envy them in a weird way, just I envy them not having no because that no co- driving them crazy Have fully. you ever
2: spent time with a person that's dying? I have a lot lately not
1: not no, not a lot
2: no, this is exactly yeah. right, and most people when they're dying are either angry or very sad or depressed because of the fear it. yeah. And if you – so I actually seek out those experiences. I seek out people that are dying. I yeah, kind of get a I, kick I'm, out of it.
1: I'm interested
2: in because that. Because it helps me to understand, uh, you know, with everything. That, with, And it's the same with my kids. My mum died – she died – she was in this room th- mm. for three months before she died. She mm. she spent the last two days in the hospital, but she spent her life in here. Mm. We hand fed her. My kids hand fed her, mm. and that was t- so they could experience somebody that was dying, and maybe maybe hear some snippets of of wisdom, or maybe not, and talk them through it. It's got to be. It's
1: crucial to us in order to.
2: If you're not if you're not asking that. To yourself every day, then you're kind of in trouble because it sneaks up you. Yeah, but the problem is,
1: we don't. We don't. We, we ask ourselves all that, but we're we're not. We're not getting to the. We're using all this artifice. We're we're basing it on all this other stuff, whereas it should be with the dying and with the people, like the, the hard edge of, the country and the like. Like we, we can't answer those questions in the state we're in. No, but you know it, what I mean. Indigenous with, people can. Well, this is this is what I'm getting to. Though, so that you can ultimately die, feeling like you're part of everything. Yeah. Look, that's my only. And and I'm not kidding. Since I was five, yeah, I've been going. All I really want to do is is be able to die with open arms, willingly, and go. I. I it's okay. I don't have to. I don't have to know the, the answer. But I. But I have to feel like this is. I'm part of it. Somehow, like I found a baby, uh, I found a, not a baby, a dead bird on the side of the road when I was five, a blackbird when we were in Melbourne, and I took it and I put it under a hydrangea bush in the front yard, and I watched it decompose. I went back every day, and I watched the feathers kind of melt off, and then the skull sort of came out, and I cl- kept the skull, and I looked at it every day, and I thought, wow, this was animated, it was live. It had experiences. Now it's this object. It's like Earth. It's humus. Humus. It's part of the thing. Then I set about collecting skulls and bones from the age of five to about Mm. twelve, and I mean crazy collecting bones. Mm. My my bedroom. I didn't have toys or anything. My bedroom was full of possum skulls and bones and dried out mummified rats and shit. And like now, I think like my grandparents wouldn't go in my room. (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they were just like freaked out by it because I had all these specimens everywhere, and I'd tell them about. It. And I was, and I was okay with death. In fact, I was. It was like the Yorick skull. You know, I was looking at it, going, "Wow, this is." And somehow, it wasn't morbid. I was like, "This is where we go. This is okay. I've got it. I'm holding it. I'm nurturing it. I'm nurturing the death." So weird that kids can do this stuff.
2: Absolutely. Before
1: the fear kicks.
2: in. Absolutely.
1: And I'm trying to get back to that place. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm all fear. Yeah. You know, and I know that and I just am. You're
2: yeah. just at the extreme end of what we all have.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, does that make sense?
1: Well, and the limits that I'm coming we'll, up against with the kids makes me feel even more at the extreme yeah. End because yeah, yeah. I feel incredibly raw and incredibly powerless. Yeah. And because um, you're living completely in your head completely in my head and I fucking hate the the world we live in. I don't I don't I know and I've known intuitively it's it's all f- smoke and mirrors. It's bollocks. That's I mean it's good parts of that's it. That's
2: why though it's really good to find something that you do connect with.
1: Mm. If and I I want to give this to my kids. I want them or at least want to be able to say to them, look, you can you can go on a journey and at the moment i feel powerless to that well i'm on it i mean i am on you it.
2: yeah you've started yeah doing this is a start having mm. this conversation is another start having a conversation with all those other guys is you know you've started you've, the process has started mm. um it's where it ends um which is the interesting thing i'm a i'm a very big believer in to go back to kids mm-hmm. um bringing kids through uh, experiences which most parents try and shield them from, yeah yeah, my daughter's just been through uh which i won 't go into, but she 's just been through a very challenging mm-hmm. um time, mm-hmm. and through that time where we we got authorities in and lawyers, and it was pretty pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. we coached her through it mm-hmm. um and she 's actually come out. Far stronger than, you know, when, when it was actually happening. But, um, the advice that we were getting from the school where the incident happened and everything else, the advice was go and see a psychologist, go and see a shrink, go and take medication, go into that system. And it was like, nah, (laughs) we can't do that. Um, she has to, we have to, we have to coach her through it. And we do that with, with lots of stuff. We'll do that through challenges. We'll do that with trips. We'll do that with everything. We're always placing them in areas that can challenge them. Yeah. Or or helping them to work through their challenges, mm. which I don't see a lot of parents doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's hard. Mm. I feel like I've got to shake some things off, you know. Because kids are always showing you it too, aren't they we've we've talked about this before too, like that they'll show you there's little kids than your kids are now, but when you know you know that the opportunity to stop and take a breath is in everything they do, like absolutely, you can you can keep pushing sometimes you have to push them, sure, but there's also an opportunity all the time just to stop, yeah, and dump everything, yeah, but you is in your head, yeah 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 they yeah, they they they're brilliant at it.
2: And then we teach them not to be like that, which is yeah. what's happened to us. You know, we're, 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 taught, we're taught to be anxious. We're taught these – are, these are not things that you're
1: born with. These no. are things that you've learned. And that's why you've got to fa- – with your kids, you've got to face those difficult things and, yeah. and be there with them to, to process it, yeah. to talk about it so they have some resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Because we keep farming it out to bloody – to to sort of dilute it away –
2: no, we're in the business here of of um of of parenting, you know, resilient kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I know in my house and I know in other houses around here, parents are talking about the systems that we live in. You know, we, you get questions like, Why yeah. why have we got Trump there? You know, these are curious, intelligent minds. Why are these people doing this? Why are we hearing this? How can this happen? And you you know, my parents were ill equipped to answer those questions when I was a young'un. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even ask them. Whereas we're a bit better equipped, and we're, um, and you know, we'll just say to them, you know, this this is this is a story that's being created over here, and and you know, have a look at that story, and have a look at who's voted, you know, and have a look at all of this, and yeah, realize yeah. that that there's something going on here, and realize, yes, you have to have a part in that. You have got to go and earn money and all of those sorts of things to get through. But see it as, see it as a story or it a, it an illusion. Yeah. see it for yeah. what it is mm-hmm. and we also absorb them into obviously deeply into the indigenous culture here or say and also have a look at this like we did with your kids you yeah. know the other day when we told the story of Dumbie to the kids around the fire yeah. and everything else yeah. was you know it's 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 so good for those kids up here to understand that there's a very old old culture here that existed well before ours yeah. and then you know have a look at This mob and they share and, you know, they might not have all the money but they're very happy. they all got smiles and they go fishing and they'll take you fishing Mm. and then have a look at this system over here and it's about competition and have a look at why those people over there are nasty because, you know. So it's an unorthodox uh, raising of children but I think it's also pretty smart given, you know, what we're going into.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not going to get... It's it's not going to get any less, kind of. No, no. It's all getting further into the head and and into the air, and you know. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they
2: are going to have to face challenges that uh, you know they may happen in our lifetime, but they're certainly going to happen in their lifetime. Mm. And those 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 challenges, be it environmental, be it financial, be it any of those things, they're going to they're going to happen. It, it's. Mm it's it's inevitable yeah um so instead of bringing them up in inv- in an environment where you're pretending that's not going to happen yeah which i think a lot of people do yeah
1: like just, like like with death you know absolutely. i mean death's, death's a, a big and important part of life and we just sort of waste it you know by not you you, you know yeah being part of it and understanding it it could go a long way to giving us comfort you know well it's it,
2: it's a very death is a very scary thing if we're mortal. Yeah, <laughs> you know if if yes, if we like think the... if we think that it ends here, yeah, and that this was the only chance that we were ever given, then that what, is a terrifying thing. What is it all about? Yeah, what is the point? That that belief has only been going for probably Europe, probably seven thousand years um, in the old Iraq. Um, the king of Europe was Gilgamesh. So we're, 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 talking sort of first kingdoms and everything else. That's, that, that way of thinking is not yeah, very it's old. not very old. Um, before that, and like I said before, going back to the old flood stories before the flood, and it's, it's debatable as to when the flood was. There's conjecture that it was a flood 5,500 years ago. There's another one that says 12,600 years ago. Yeah. But before the flood, people were very different in the way that, A, they viewed the world, and B, the way they view the world with them in it and yeah. their relationship to it. And they believe that their soul never died, that the body did. It was a vessel to get you through for consciousness or whatever. Yeah. And that your, your soul kept moving. Yeah. And if you actually believe in that, Mm. And if you actually see or feel that in the ceremonies that they did, which is what they did, and that mm. wasn't just Australian mm. Aborigines, that was everybody, if that's the way you view the world, then you're, the way you view the world is a very different way.
1: And then you don't have the fear, man. You don't have like the fear. Like those, uh, those, those experiences you've had in Peru and, and all of seeing. That, all of that falls away. Yeah, you know, and that's what I, I mean, I just don't want that fear anymore. Like, like I joke about how it's it's no picnic being an atheist, you know. It's a horrible, bloody thing in the way that we know of, of to, to suggest that it's just the end. Like nothing means anything. It's hard to live with that on a daily basis. I mean, we already believe. Why do we believe the consumerist story? I mean, we love. We know we are story. We love story. This is getting back to how we started. You know. So why? And we're going to do story. <laughs> so you just got to change which one we can. Ch- we can do the consumerist. Nothing means anything. Um, every man for himself, story, or we can do the other story.
2: I liked Jung. I didn't like Freud. I right. like Jung, and mm. Jung said to give birth to the ancients in a new time is creation. Right. He was a very wise. Man was Carl Jung, and his mm. red book is a fascinating read. And I think he got it right. Mm. The old way, the way that I've described. Uh, is a very different paradigm to the one we live in. It's actually the antithesis. It's the opposite to the system that we live in. It's built around sharing. It's built around a relationship with nature. It's built on lateral hierarchies. No chiefs. No presidents. No. In, no middleman. Yeah. And the group reconciles the the meaning of words, the language, the laws. Uh, you know, and and they do that. Generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. You don't keep changing the law to fit what you want it to mm. in this moving feast that we call democracy. You don't change any of it. No. And if you digress from the law, there are very serious consequences, as there should be.
1: And there's some amazing stories wrapped around the consequences. But of it's a different sort of law to what we're like. You, people might hear that and think you're saying, oh, but there's, you know, law's corrupt and stuff, but you're not talking about. It as we know it. It's like we're not talking about immortality as the way we know it. No, you know, and that's right. And and, and
2: when I say law, I'm not talking about L A W. I'm talking no. about L O R E. Yeah, yeah. Which became folklore.
1: Yeah. Um. And
2: that to law trivialise it. Yeah, absolutely. To demonise yeah. it, trivial, diminish it. Yeah. Um. um and that law. That was enjoyed not just by Aboriginal people here in Australia, but by all Indigenous cultures. Mm. They all, and
1: it was a universal of which law. we were at some point.
2: And it says that, and you hear it often in this part of the world that the law doesn't come from man; it comes from nature. Yeah, that's a very hard thing to get our head around. That uh, actually the system can talk to us if we look and listen hard enough, and from that, that's where our law comes from. Yeah, whales have laws. Yeah. Dogs have laws. Everything has laws, and and all of those laws click into place to be part of a the yeah. much larger natural law. But we've gone it alone, and we've created our own law. Yeah. And um, what do they call lawyers? The wizards of our society. I mean, yeah. And they are. They're the ones that are changing. It's all about words. It's all well, about it the spell gets, of words. Yeah, and all
1: change to to get you around things. Fuck, and man, I mean, and does it that, not?
2: Does not that story just leave you in? It's no wonder people, we have the highest suicide rates in the world up here. Yeah, yeah. It's no wonder people are killing themselves or drinking themselves to death or, you know, any of those things because yeah, that story is, it's antiquated. All
1: right, so look, to kind of come to, to draw this thing to some kind of, what, what, what are we, I mean, I, I always find myself in the creek, in the mud with you going, but what do I do? Jonesy, what do I do? Go to www. No, um,
2: <laughs> what do you do?
1: No, I just, yeah, like where well, do we, you, where you we start? What do you, what do you, like, I know we're not, God, I don't know, we're not trying to fix the world, but um, in the face of all of this, you are gotta you, gotta you work, okay doing what you're doing? You've got to work out what
2: the question is that you're asking first. Mm-hmm. So is the question, what do we do? Or is the question, um, What are we here for? You know, it's a deep question. Yeah. But work out what the question is first and then move towards answering that question. And moving towards answering that question is is the right direction and that answer might not come for a very long time. In fact, that answer won't actually show itself until you're ready to receive that answer. Right. But as long as you wake up every day with that question in your mind, and every day you are moving towards that answer, you'll find yourself feeling a whole lot better, in
1: my humble opinion. Sure. And so, and, and within that, recognizing that children are, are these teachers sent. I mean, you've got this opportunity. It's not, I can get all concerned about protecting them, what's going to happen to them in future, when perhaps I just need to openly engage with them now. I mean, all I can do is now, right, is try to face up to what's happening with them now. You know what I mean by that? We we, we can spend so much time concerned about what sort of future they're going to have? What they're going to, you know? I, and, I think live away from the
2: I, I, what's I'd on offer. I'm sorry, my mind, as you were talking, was wandering, and and I don't want this to sound too hippie-ish as well, because sometimes the little buggers pinch a six-pack out of your fridge, and you want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does become father and son, so sure. y- you want to keep it real. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you can recognise that, um. Uh, that children are as much a part of your path as you are of theirs, then that can go a long way to also helping you to understand things a, a yeah. lot better.
1: I think when they're at the age my kids are at too, it's ha- they it seems like they're mythological creatures. Like well, they are because they're not yet they're fi- figuring it out. They're te- they're doing all this stuff that's psychopathy, or you know. They're behaving like cunts, basically. Like that was someone was saying. Like the purest <laughs> definition. <you> <laughs> yeah, the purest definition. of, you know, when someone says "what a cunt," like kids. The difference is kids don't mean it. Kids are just being kids. But the things they do fit that. That perfectly describes them sometimes when they're toddlers and stuff. Because you go, oh, I can't believe they just like what would. So so you're forced in this position to either hate them, as you would if they were an adult and they did that. You know, if they just took a shit in the shower and said, I don't love you. <laughs> like, that's that's a cunt, right? So if they do, but when you see them as Sometimes a little- Sometimes they become parents too. As, they're as little kids. You've got to- It makes them seem like either they're that or there's something going on here that I need to grapple with because they do something like that-, that, that can only <laughs> drive you crazy So Absolutely. It, you're going you're either going to yeah, you're either going to kill them or you're going to you Absolutely.
2: Know. I'm very proud to say and I think I told you this the other day. I'm very proud to say that I've only hit one of my children. The other yeah, one I have, I've <laughs> only hit them once. And we were in a Coles store in Scarborough in Perth. It was a cold and blustery Wednesday afternoon. There was there was a lot of people in the shop. And my son Oscar who was the Tender age of, I reckon, four, and he's all elbows and wrists as he's, you know, dancing to Michael Jackson in the uh, meat <laughs> section, and he's waving around, pirouetting, and he whacks me in the um, family jewels, yeah, and as I'm bowing down in utter pain, reflex, the reflexes of a cat, I've sideswiped him with the back of my fist and sent him hurtling along <laughs> the tiled floor for about five to ten meters oh my god. in front of forty horrified <laughs> consumers. And I've looked at him and I've gone, Oh my god, that would not have looked good. Yeah. And that yeah, that's the only that's the only time that I've that I've I've been extremely tempted.
1: That's kind of funny too.
2: I've, like I that, been, that,
1: but that was just a reaction to being yeah, but bollocks, I, I but,
2: and, but you know the, the the violent reaction that we have inherited and, yeah. and is probably part of us men as well the mm. violent reaction sometimes yeah. to certain um scenes I've had to hard, man I've had to fight that big time because I grew up yeah in the seventies every family grew up in violence yeah, whether yeah. it was a belt. Whether it was a cane, whether it was a hand, whether it was a fist, there mm. was so many varieties of abuse going on. Mm. It was kind of well, it was normal, and mm. and I think that's also part of our problem as well because we know that we were, we were, we know that our kids are sacred. Mm. They, but yet, and we were sacred, and yet their school of thought was that we can bludgeon them into believing. What they right. should, and that created um, a whole lot of anxiety for our generations. Yeah. You know, trying to reconcile what happened to us and not do that to our kids. I mean, we yeah. legislated to, n- yes, to not touch yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. But of course, that also creates um, behaviours that are pretty unique. You mm-hmm. know, now in 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 our civilization, kids feel entitled you wow, know this the language that, the yeah. language that we're using now mm. instead of you know, our parents saying, oh, you're just bloody one of a hundred, you know, get on with it and, yeah, you know, yeah. pick yourself up and everything else, whereas now we're all saying you are the most beautiful person in the room, you know, you're the best dancer you ever did. And they have paper-thin skin. They as have paper-thin reason. skin and, as well and, and you know, the, the reflex to that generational change is is, is super interesting as well. It and, is. It's
1: a big one. Richard and I were kind of talking about that, The the line like you you don't want them to go out into the world thinking they own it because the world's going to be much harsher with them than we were, yep. we are and they, they need to come up against us yep. first. Yep. And someone was saying that that's your job as a father is to really, you know, show them where that thing is and make it hard enough but not as hard as the world. It's like, like yeah, I think it was our very first podcast, Scott, said, Scott uh, Edgar said, i'm I'm a stand-in for the world. They need yeah. to bang up against me, and I give them an indication of what so i can't be too soft
0: yeah. about
1: it, yeah because they'll get out there and do something really dangerous and they'll end up in prison or they'll end up dead or whatever so, yeah. and then that becomes a form of neglect. but this is a hard thing to balance up, isn't it, Because no one wants to cause deliberate suffering to Well kids. and
2: in our generation too we're very sensitive uh the gen X's um, a very sensitive mob and don't like a to be told off and b um, don't like to upset their kids or anybody around them. I know I can speak from experience with that. I've toughened up a lot now as I get mm. older, but you know I didn't want my kids not liking me. So to 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 get into that confrontational space, um, um it, that was that was that created anxiety.
1: Yeah, it's it's, us that's got the problem, you know. It is us
2: that have, it is us that have. Because you
1: watch how quickly they get over it and how, and I've said this before too, when, when the, when the line has been very strongly drawn with Sammy, he comes to you more affectionate than ever. Oh. Because he got, he, he's, he's, he's more or less just asking for that. And and again, we don't, you don't have to be brutal about it. You certainly, my fear is what happens is if you can't find a way to, 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 to show them the seriousness of the situation, then you start using other things like mental, psychological thing. You know, when I feel powerless to, to show that something's unacceptable, then you, you do other things you, you, and no one wants to end up doing that. As know? a father of a 20-year-old, mm. and I can still talk to him now as I did when he
2: was 15 or when he was 10, um, sons need fathers mm. and those fathers need to be strong. They need to be super strong. Yeah. They don't ne- need to necessarily be right all the time. No. But they need to be strong. And it's the same with women, but their strength is a very different strength. It's a strength. different thing, a, a, yeah. a, a feminine strength is uh, a very different strength. But with boys, and, and I can speak from um, my own experience here, if my son was going wayward in something, I would let it go, let it go, and I'd just quietly say, you know what, you should, and they, of course they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't listen, and then it only needs to be three sentences often or two sentences, Hmm. and your voice raises a few octaves, and you're very, um, you're, you're very direct and it's mm. very clear and it's very concise and you have to be measured when you do it. You can't mm-hmm. do it emotionally. That's right. You can't be emotional about it. And no. that boy will go away. He won't like you for a day or two days or three days, you know, but eventually he'll come back and you'll see the behavior in that boy warming to you because yeah. he knows deep down that you were doing the right thing for him.
1: And that's something Steve Bidulph was saying when we we saw him. That in 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 yeah. in, uh, in you know tribal cultures, that that ev- every boy would have at least five men. Yep, yeah. c- keeping an eye on them. Yep, yeah. and it was the uncle that put him through law. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and that that just because you can't afford to have boys acting like they do now, doing all these awful things in schools and with with phones and and disrespect of women when you're in a survival situation in your clan or your group, you can't have these guys just fucking doing whatever they want. No, no. Especially with the power they have or the physical strength they have. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just yeah, can't yeah. afford it. No, well, I mean. Um, there's, a, there's missing fathers or a missing male role models, you know. Fuck, that's a whole. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's big, yeah and yeah. and I, 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 it always makes me feel very sad in the heart um, when I meet boys that have not had fathers. Mm. And I'm even sadder when I meet girls yeah. that haven't had a father figure or who have had an abusive father figure. Yeah. yeah. Because girls, and we haven't talked much about girls, we've talked a lot about boys, but girls yeah. are a very, very different beast. <laughs>
1: Speak of the devil. <laughs> As my daughter walks <laughs> around oh, listening part. to every word that I'm saying. <laughs> But yeah, they, and, and that's something we, we've we actually talked about doing this. We we want to start getting some women on this podcast to talk about their fathers, not talk about their kids, their, not to talk as parents but to talk as daughters and what fathers mean to daughters yeah. because there's there's been lots of that, – that's a big thing too, you know. Absolutely. What, what, you know. Absolutely. That's how they learn about men and, you know. It is, yeah, and that relationship
2: between son and mother is so very pivotal for – You know that that boy who becomes a man who then you know um, trampolines into life. If he's got a a a good, honest, um, loving relationship with his mother, then he's well on his way. Right, and it's the same with a father and a daughter. And of course, I've been learning that. um, My daughter is now thirteen years old, and that's it's such a completely different journey. You're just starting that journey. It is such a different journey Mm. raising. Um, raising daughters, yeah, um, and a very different feeling. You find another little filing system another little cavity in your heart that you didn't know existed, and mm. and
1: and that's a whole that's a whole new way. Yeah, I'm so glad we had this talk because I'm I'm you know I'm feeling empowered to s- sort of step up to the. Get out of my head a bit and just try and it's, be with this time. It's that's interesting. Difficult I've and, been and listening.
2: Be. I've been listening to you. I've been listening to you. You know, around the dinner table, camping, and mm. I've been listening to you and your podcasts. And you, you, what I'm hearing is what I remember. <laughs> I had. Yeah. It was these fucking voices in my head. You know, fucking. Oh, you should be doing this. No, you
1: should be yeah, doing. Yeah. Really, and then, you, it? then,
2: then you're paralysed by mm. all of the noise. Mm. And it was funny because my daughter going back to my daughter she has she's thirteen she's you know she's in that phone era now, and there's
3: anxiety yeah
2: mm. there's anxiety <laughs> and 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 all of that attached to it and, mm. and she came back and she was there was you know a, a period there where she said she felt she wasn't present in a body and there was some anxiety and all this sort of stuff and, mm-hmm. I, and I i said to her i pulled out a couple of old um, techniques that i learned in uni when i was studying at uni and i laid it down and i said to her okay well let's let's think about your toes your feet your knees and we worked through her body and cleared you know she just thought about all of those it's almost like a meditation yeah I know. and there was another one as well and she just cleared her mind and i said so where are those voices now and she said oh They've gone, Mm. and that can be that can be a relaxation technique. That can be an hour and a half walk along the beach. That Mm. can be photography. That can be any any of these things, Mm. as long as you can take your mind away from those voices to recognise that they are voices, (laughs) and to also recognise that there's something higher than those voices that are also able to recognise those voices. Because once you get to that stage. Yeah. Then you can just let them move in and out. That's and I think that's what Judith was talking about. Yeah. Last night I only sort of half heard it. And I kind of get it and I get the I get the you know all of that but there's other techniques as well. You, yeah. But
1: the, the, the noise and the voices and all that sort of stuff. Man, the irony, I, I the irony of my, my my desire to get away from the voices is to do a podcast and put more voices out into the <laughs> Yeah, but funny. it's
2: also it's also a way of uh you um, making those voices physical. Yeah. To then be able to look back on them, so it is. This is this is a, a vital tool.
1: Well, and for yeah, you, and, it's and also it, yeah. a
2: vital tool for you know somebody like me.
1: Yeah, it should be like we, we get to have this conversation. Uh, people listening to it might get to to feel not so alone, which was our mo at the beginning. Was yeah. just about you're not alone. Yeah, because you're in the in the thick of it, you know. And this whole podcast has spanned my journey, and I haven't talked about it all on the podcast, but. You know, th- this is all happening in real time, yeah. as it is. To there's there's men and women all over the world standing in dark rooms with a screaming child, going, "I'm I'm gonna have I don't I'm not gonna cope." You know, like it's full on. It's happening. It's it's everywhere. And we yeah. like with death, we don't. You know, people try to tell you how to fix it or how to. You know, the the three steps to. But there's not enough just sitting around the campfire and talking about it or telling a story. You just telling – Judith telling the story about when she lost it and you telling the funny story I thought about in the supermarket, that just makes you go, oh, it happens to other people. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's enough often. You know? And, you
2: know, when I see somebody sitting there at the end of their wits with mm. a screaming child, you know, um, and you can see that they just they're just on the edge the number of times that I want to go there and have done at times mm. and go up and say, Can I do something for you? Yeah. Can I hold your child while you get your bag out of, you know, on the plane and walk out? And I'll walk your child. I've done that with an Aboriginal woman mm. and walked across the tarmac. Just, we don't help each other out enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it should, it, it goes back to that that sharing community, which, you know, people want to label it as socialist, or you know, I don't care what the word is, but the, the, our society should be um, a, a lot more understanding, and a lot more caring than it actually is, and we should all be looking out for each other, not competing against each other. But cons- everybody look- is bouncing around a dinner table saying, "Well, this is how I parent. This is how I parent. I think I'm," you know, and this is going on. It's just a cacophony.
1: C- consumer capitalism was very clear in its intention to divide and conquer. I mean, Absolutely. it's not even a hidden thing. You make, you, you, you c- when people have gotten everything that they need to just to survive, the basics, then what are you going to do? Well, you've got to sell them holes. What's missing? You're alone. You're isolated. You know what I mean? Well, this, is what's, this is the dominant bloody narrative, isn't it? It's- and, except for up here. Hopefully, or at least... Well, I mean,
2: it probably is the dominant narrative up here. Mm. It's just that we are very lucky to have a a bunch of like-minded souls that have coalesced and talk about these things like we're doing now. But, yeah, I know I wouldn't say that Broom
1: is a utopia. No, no. (laughs) Well, exactly. um, No, it's really there's 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 a privileged group of people, you know, as there are, well, that's a...
2: think there's a philosophical group of people
1: yeah there's a philosophical
2: yeah Yeah. um and i think i think they're finding each other and uh, i said it last night you know it's it's wonderful to see the kids coming up and watching the kids grow and i look forward to one day the kids parents not coming although i love the parents as well but Mm. you know um the time when um, the parents have trusted the friendships that they have up here and the kids trust those those relationships to come up here and go fishing by themselves and, and all of those sorts of things. And I know with Oscar, my son, he's just starting his working life and he's just starting to utilise those that that, that network. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. working for those crews. Yeah. So the men are looking after a twenty-year-old Oscar and helping me out, which is wonderful. They're, yeah. they're working out how to set yeah. up a business, to, you know, with Richard and Quickie mm. and Andrew and all the guys that you've interviewed. They're all mm-hmm. talking to Oscar about how to. That's wonderful, you yeah, know? yeah. And it's the same with Sammy. When Sammy's old enough, you know, I, I really want to take him on the waterfall trip, and I really want to take Banjo on the treasure hunt, mm. you know, escapade that we started a couple of years ago, and. Setting up this relationship with this little like minded group we've got to do that
1: we've got to do that I mean look i'm an isolator i've you know i just i I, I wouldn't make friends at all if it wasn't for broom or you know it's so easy over forty particularly to just not yeah make new friends and I really want to nurture that I want to show my kids that you can do that and you can have conversations you can talk and you've got people you absolutely know, and you know i i've I've got this image in my head of him coming up here on his own sometime and crotchety old you taking him <laughs> <laughs> reluctantly crabbing and saying, Have you do you know the story of Gilgamesh? And he'll go, No, Jonesy, I don't. Da-dun! maybe that's where we should finish.
2: I might actually buy a <laughs> box of
1: Gilgamesh books and just <laughs> start handing them. them out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you with a long white beard in the in the swamp. Alright, well we we better we better um or oh, we'll never stop, man.
2: Yeah. But thanks. It doesn't stop anyway. We just turn no, the microphones off. Just turn the, the com- microphone and keep the, talking. The conversation will continue to roll, be <laughs> yeah. it in a illegal camping spot or a mangrove mud flat <laughs> yeah, yeah. or a, uh, a beautiful house or on a beach. I'm yeah, sure it'll continue. Something
1: about the. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, thanks, man. This is, this is great. The journey continues. On you, Dan. It was, uh, it was great fun. we will see you soon. Thanks.
0: podcast was recorded at castaway studios in collingwood here we provide affordable accessible professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages you can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up castaway studios on all the social medias